where I play, as long as I go number one in the draft. From the Erie Otters, Connor McDavid. From the London Knights, Mitch Marner. From the Western Hockey League's Brandon Wheat Kings, Nolan Patrick. This is Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. He checks an enormous amount of boxes. Nobody in this draft did more with less. I absolutely love him. It's not his skills that anybody's concerned about. It's that playing attitude. And quite frankly, it's really poor. Speeding towards the future of the NHL. From the U.S. Development Program, Jacob Truba. From Faryastad of the Swedish Elite League, Jonas Brodin. From the Boston U Terriers, Brady Kachuk. He could play in the NHL next year. He's one of those guys. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of Tracking the Draft with Craig Button, the Director of Scouting from TSN and the former GM in the NHL. will join us very shortly from the Centrium in Red Deer, a home of the Team Canada World Junior Camp, Evaluation Camp, and a place that I spent many, many, many nights um, watching the Red Deer Rebels uh, play hockey, particularly the year they won the Memorial Cup in 2001. So popcorn, hot dog, every game on the way up to the press box. Uh, Some good, good hockey I have watched in that building, and there's going to be some competitive stuff going on with this camp right now. So this is the show where the stars of tomorrow are discovered here, and we're going to talk about uh, three players uh, today, a Canadian forward, uh, an American defenseman, and a Russian defenseman. So we'll get you covered with all of that as we go, Uh, but I do want to tell you that uh, Craig joins us on the UFFS hotline, Check them out, www.uffsports.com. This is fantasy hockey at the ultimate level. I mean, it is the most realistic platform that you will find. So realistic, there's a scouting platform or scouting agency within the platform, and the scouts are listing players all the way up to the 2023 draft. Uh, There are so many great things when it comes to everyday fantasy play, but just the big picture on this is so huge and so big, they're looking at expanding. So right now, we're using NHL uh, players, and and that's our fantasy, but there's talk of the ECHL, the KHL, maybe even some junior leagues, the AHL. The sky is really the limit uh, with Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports. Please check it out, uffsports.com. Get in the game where you own the game. So we're going to discuss with Craig coming up some World Junior news and notes, and then we will get into uh, the three mini profiles uh, that we are doing with Craig this week. So without further ado... Director of Scouting for TSN, former GM of the Calgary Flames, and a Stanley Cup champion with the Dallas Stars. Plus, he's a sharp-dressed man with a heart of gold and a passion to match it. Craig Button.
Craig, it is great to have you joining us from the Centrium in Red Deer. Uh, spent a lot of time uh, going up those stairs behind you to the press box uh, when I was watching the Rebels win the Memorial Cup in 2001. Hot dog, popcorn in each hand every game. I was a much younger guy, and I could handle that metabolism, but I love that rink. Don't you, don't you just love that rink in Red Deer? Well, yeah, I, I do love it. It's a it's a great junior hockey rink, and but but it's a great uh, uh, arena for events. And you know, Brent Sutter and the Red Deer Rebels and the city of Red Deer have uh, really invested in the rink. I mean, there's suites here. They've changed the seats. Uh, the press box now is uh, renovated, and and you know, it's not just a, a great rink for junior hockey and for the Red Deer Rebels. It's also a great rink for the city of Red Deer to be able to attract significant events. And you can bet that there'll be significant events here it looks fantastic you talk about a hot dog you know what i always come here I, I it doesn't matter if it's minus 35 or it's plus 15 i go for the ice cream here. yeah i got great ice cream here in this they, arena. They, they I, do, I, yeah. stand right there so it's always something that i look for you know i i even like like i even deprive myself a little bit leading up to a game coming into red deer because i know for certain that i'm going to not only see good players but i'm having ice cream all right. Awesome stuff. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the World Junior Camp and, and some prospects, and then we'll get into some specific players. But uh, I guess what's caught your eye so far uh, through the first uh, little bit of this long camp that they're having so that they can, first of all, make sure everybody is able to participate. Well, and, and what you're... I mean, what's essential here is the health protocols, you know, making sure that the players coming into the cohort bubble are healthy and that there's that you minimize the risk to the greatest extent possible of spreading the virus. We, we've seen that there was some delays because players were waiting for some of their uh, test results before arriving. That became really, really important with respect to uh, you know, making sure that they have that. And I, I think it's a perfect example of why it needed to be a little bit of a longer camp. And, and, and so now that the players are here, you know, Ridley Gregg announced that he said that he, you know, he had tested positive for COVID, but you know, everything goes well, he'll be arriving here as well. Day one, first practice, first shift, I, you know, I'm, I'm waiting to see, are they gonna acclimate a little bit slowly, dip a toe in? You dropped the puck and the players were competing right from the get-go. And I think that that speaks to not only, uh, you know, that well of competitiveness that they have, but also they haven't had that in the vast majority of cases since last March uh, when everything got shut down. So you don't, you don't have to remind them to compete. It's, it's in them to compete, and they did that. And Andre Tournier, you know, has, has made a real focus on, on making sure that the players' intensity mentally is there. He knows that the intensity physically will pick up, but in terms of, you know, just outlining for the players, here's where you need to be, here's what you need to be aware of, here's how we want to play, understanding that they haven't played, understanding that they're coming from different systems, that they do have the time to, to work together, and that, you know, he's really been, in, he's really been positive uh, for the groups uh, with respect to understanding not only where they've come from, but where they need to go. He really has a, a, a real strong and very deft guiding hand with this group.
Well, and with it being such a different year, uh, let's remember that we are still dealing with teenagers and there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now. So, you know, what what are your thoughts on Andre Tournier being the, the guy, the right guy to be able to, you know, take everything that's going on around us right now? And, and you know, this, it's different than the normal Christmas things. This is a very, very different year. So how about him as a guy to be able to make sure everything goes smoothly? Well, and, and, and that's essential, right? And, you know, you, you said the right guy. I'm going to add a, a word in front of you, the absolute right guy. And, you know, Andre has been part of Hockey Canada, the program of excellence, a number of times. He was an assistant coach last year on the gold medal winning world junior team in Ostrava. So he comes with that experience. But he also, with his, with his experiences working with teenagers, working with young junior players, and, you know, understanding, as you point out, you know, not only you know, where they're at in terms of their maturity, physical, mental, and emotional, but also understanding this situation so well. You know, he, he's been talking to the group and he's, he, he's tried to impress upon them. Hey, listen, I know that in some situations you play man-to-man, you play this situation differently, but here's how we're going to play. He's engaged with the players. He's asked them questions. He's, he's, at, he's allowed them to ask their questions. And when I talk about making sure that their, that their men, mental intensity is there, knowing where to be, how they want to play, and, and understanding that it's going to be a work in progress. It's going to take time. But he, he, he's been, he, he stopped drills when they haven't been doing the right things and, and emphasized those things. He's, he's gone one-on-one with, a group, with groups of players to you know, point out some things. And, and he's also been very encouraging. So you know, there might be some coaches that could be as good as Andre with this group, I don't think they could have found a better person and coach to be in this situation, not only going in to defend the gold medal at the World Junior Hockey Championship, but to deal with everything that none of, nobody's been trained to deal with. I think Andre's just perfect for this endeavor. Well, how about the, uh, the I guess, the reaction to what Kirby Doc did uh, the other day in, in his uh, little back heel pass? It was just awesome. And, and this is a guy who, you know, is going to be a big focus. I had somebody ask me on social media uh, if the, the rumor is true that the Blackhawks are going to pull him out midway through the tournament. I, I haven't heard of anything ever happening like that before, but... You know, maybe speak about him going into this tournament and, and, you know, what he will mean to Team Canada. Well, let me dispel the rumor, first of all. There's zero truth to that. Yeah. Kirby Doc will be here from beginning to end. Good. The Blackhawks are, are, are not doing any of that. They, 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 they've committed and, and Kirby's committed. So, you know, Kirby was not able to participate last year because he was in the NHL. And if, he, if the NHL was going, he wouldn't be able to participate this year. I think it's a great opportunity for Kirby, you know, to, to, to have a last chance to represent his country at the World Junior Championship, to come back from his experiences in the NHL, you know, not only be a contributor on the ice, but to, to, to take some of those experiences of being in the bubble. Remember, he was in the bubble. You know, Thomas Harley with the Dallas Stars, he didn't play, but he was in the bubble. Peyton Krebs, he didn't play, but he was in the bubble with the Vegas Golden Knights. So, you know, as the players, you know, reach some certain points where it becomes monotonous or, you know, you, you, you can't do the same things that you're accustomed to, seeing your family, seeing your friends, you know, players, Kirby, 
Thomas to a lesser extent, Peyton to, a, to, to, to the same extent as Thomas, you know, the, those experiences become really important to be able to relay to the other players that are going to be going through it. On the ice, I mean, he's a, he's a fantastic talent. He, he's gifted, he's confident, and much like Patrice Bergeron in 2005, who had played a regular season in the NHL prior to coming back. And by the way, he was the MVP of that 05 team in Grand Forks. You know, there's no reason to believe that Kirby's uh, impact uh, for Team Canada and on this tournament is not going to be anything less than significant. Hey, listen, I'll tell you this. If he's the MVP of this tournament, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. And if he's the MVP of the tournament, that'll also tell you that Canada's won the gold medal. Indeed. And and you brought up a good point of that 2005 team. There were so many guys on that team that would be probably, well, would be in the NHL for sure because of the work stoppage. Do you see this World Junior being similar because the NHL will be starting up, uh, if, if they're lucky, January 1st? Do you see similarities with this World Junior tournament as some of the other ones that we saw? Well, one of them was in, uh, in where you're sitting, in, in Red Deer, I believe. Yeah, 1995, which, right. was, which was another lockout year. Well, absolutely. And 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 when you when you have when, when you now have the opportunity to have every single player available to be able to participate, that's significant. That that gives your team uh, the opportunity to be even that much stronger. You know, Canada has a has a has an incredible embarrassment of riches when it comes to talent, the depth of talent. But when now there's no player that you have to think about not having. I mean, let's put Alexi Lafreniere off right mm -hmm. now. He's not here at the camp, but he very well may be here. They've left the door open for him. That's not a surprise. But absolutely, when you have all the players available to you in a certain age group to be able to form a team, I mean, that's a tremendous, it's a, it's a tremendous opportunity for the players. Players always tell you how excited they are to represent their country. It'll be different this year. There'll be no fans. There'll be no, I, I hope the players do jump into the glass after they score a goal. That's been something synonymous with uh, Hockey Canada and Team Canada at the World Junior Championships. I, I hope they don't lose that, even though there won't be fans. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, I think to, to pull on the, the jersey and to represent your country is a, is a great honor for the, for the players. And I think that they know that everybody's gunning for them every single game. So when the puck drops on the World Junior Hockey Championship, Canada will be a marked team. And, you know, winning the gold medal last year, you know, they want to defend it on home ice. Indeed. Uh, you mentioned Lafreniere. Obviously, uh, what does your gut tell you? We, does he wear the Maple Leaf at this tournament this year? Yeah, I, I, you know, it's hard for me to say. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I have my own thoughts on it. I mean, I mean, Alexi was the MVP of the tournament last year. There can be an argument for, geez, what else does he have to prove here? But at the same time, Alexi hasn't played a meaningful game or competed in any type of practice uh, since the last March. So is that something that could benefit him? Yeah, it could benefit him. And just because you won the MVP last year, and if you don't win it this year, it doesn't lessen any of uh, Alexi's uh, accomplishments. I mean, to be part of his group, to be uh, part of a team uh, to to compete at this tournament for a gold medal, and, and he would become uh, if they could win the gold medal, he'd become a two-time uh, gold medalist at the World Junior Hockey Championship. So, you know, uh, you know, I, I I see all the pros for Alexi playing, but I also understand if he doesn't play, uh, you know depending on what the NHL schedule is. Uh, you know, we saw more, more at Cider announced that he's not going to play 
for mm -hmm. uh, Team Germany because he's going to stay in Roglan, the Swedish Hockey League, and continue playing. You know, that's a real blow to uh, to Germany. But I understand what Moritz is trying to do. And it would be the same with Alexi if he decides, uh, or the Rangers decide that he's not going to be available. But, you know, it, it, it'd be terrific if he could participate because it's not like he's been playing. It's last March since he played a game. Yeah, indeed. All right, let's talk about some guys that are playing uh, some hockey right now as we get into some uh, some of these mini profiles that we're doing. And, and Kent Johnson is a, a center uh, that's uh, playing at Michigan in the Big Ten. And, man, sure doesn't seem like he was affected by the layoff, Craig. Four assists in his college hockey debut against the independent Arizona State. Five-point weekend for him. Should we be surprised? I mean, you look at his early junior A, he had success and then dominated. And, and so far, it looks like he's made, you know, in, in a couple of games, a good adjustment to college hockey. Yeah, don't be surprised by Kent. I mean, Kent has uh, terrific offensive abilities. And, you know, he, he, he's a different type of offensive player. He, he's a player where, you know, he, 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 he understands where he needs to be at the right times. So he doesn't get himself caught up in the, in, in the traffic, you know, unnecessarily. He plays in traffic. He plays in body-on-body -body battles. But he doesn't get himself caught up there where it hinders him. And he's got a fabulous uh, ability to free the puck. You know, you might think you have him under control, but if he's always putting the puck in places where not only where he can get to it and where he can make an opponent vulnerable, he also is able to move the puck and play a give-and-go game where he turns around defenders and then he's on to the next play. And if you're not thinking on the same wavelength as him, He's going to take advantage of you. I mean, he, he's comfortable bringing opponents to him, and that's how he gets his assists. But when he scored his goal on Sunday in his second college game, it was a classic case of he, he, he got there at exactly the right time to take full advantage of it. I mean, he's, he, 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 I, I would call him a magician with the puck because he has those types of magic qualities. Uh, his coach, Mel Pearson, said to me, he said, oh, yeah, some of the practices he was trying things and getting knocked down, he goes, but he's a great student. He learns quick. He learns what he can do and what he can't do. He was the top scorer in the BCHL last year, and there's no question in my mind that he's going to be a top offensive player in college hockey and a really good, significant offensive contributor at the NHL level. The mind is brilliant. And, you know, when you can think and make plays with the puck and process the game at lightning speed, you have a chance to have real success at the NHL level. And that certainly uh, applies to Kent. Uh, Craig Button, uh, the Director of Scouting for TSN, joining us from Canada's World Junior Camp, uh, courtesy of the UFFS Hotline. And uh, Kent is a, a guy that uh, we'll be talking about in next year's camp, I'm sure, uh, for Team Canada's uh, World Junior. Now, he was a, a top 10 projected pick by you when you were look, taking your early look at 2021. Uh, is he still a guy that you project to be in the top 10? Uh, here's what I would say. I, I would say that he, he, he doesn't show any uh, signs of not being in the top 10, but there's some really good players in this draft. And there's sure. some players. And, and I, I, I'm always careful, Dean, to, to, to people say, oh, who's falling, right? Well, what about the players that are taking steps forward? What about sure. the players that are progressing? Like, you know, if, if you would have asked me last year about Jack Quinn at this time of the year, I wouldn't have said he was a top 10 pick. But as you watched him over time, it, it became clear to me he was a top 10 pick. And, right. you know, and, 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 and it works in, in multiple ways, you know, with, with players that, that you might in, 
in a year prior say, hey, yeah, he projects as a top 10. He certainly looks like right now one of the top 10 players. Like I said, Kent doesn't show me that he's not a top 10 pick, but but you have to allow for other players pushing their way into the discussion. And mm -hmm. if, if players outside the top 10 are going to push themselves into the top 10, somebody has to be displaced. And it might not be anything more than just some other players showing what they got. But to me, he's just a really good really smart offensive player who's definitely a first round pick so we talk about skating sometimes with guys and and some people think skating is going as fast as you can uh and doing laps uh, like a speed skater maybe or something i'm not sure but what is what is his skating ability like can he put it in gear and then can he also we've talked about slowing it down to be able to you know keep those defensemen off balance like you know blowing by a guy down the right side is great but it doesn't work all the time does he have the ability to switch gears yeah, what I would say is, is he, he's got the he's got the ability to delay, and so you know when you he's not a speedster, he's not Connor McDavid, he's not Nathan McKinnon, he's not one of those players. But when I use the term delay in a game, you know, hold the puck, and 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 now he he's got space, and now a defender has to recognize, okay, am I going to go try to close on him? Because what. what Kent has that ability to see the play two and three steps ahead. Mm -hmm. So he might be wanting to pull you out of the ice to, to create an opening for somebody else. But, but he's also really comfortable in terms of being able to play in traffic and to play in tight spaces because, you know, he, he knows how to protect the puck and he knows how to keep his hands free from the checking. So, you know, you might think that you're on him, but if you don't have his hands in check, he's still got the advantage. And, and then the other part of his skating is it's the mind. I mean, he, he processes so quickly that when he sees the opening and sees the opportunity, he's there. So it's great to be able to skate fast, but if your mind doesn't, doesn't process at the, at the speed necessary for you to act upon uh, or to use your skating to an advantage, it doesn't matter how fast you skate. And, and that's the processing part of the game. And, Kent has all those abilities. And I, another big part of this, too, is knowing what your game is. Mm -hmm. uh, like, you know, he knows what his game is. He, he's not going to try to just race past people. He, he, he speeds up. He slows down. He delays. He holds the puck. He turns back. You know, he, he understands how to take advantage of, of, of his mind and then to make those plays. All right, let's chat about Luke Hughes, and people will know that name uh, from the past little while for sure, a defenseman with the U.S. national development team in the USHL. Um, eventually will be going to uh, Michigan, so they will be teammates. Uh, he'll be a teammate with Johnson. But the Hughes family taking a run at the stalls and the Sutters of, of where you sit right now, and Brent Sutter and, and all the Sutters have helped make that area very, very famous and originating from Viking. But... Uh, the the Hughes man, this family is uh, taking the NHL by storm. What sets Luke apart uh, from maybe his brothers Jack and Quinn? Well, he's a different player than uh, than Jack. I mean, Jack is a phenomenal, you know, brilliantly skilled offensive player, and and Quinn, you know, his ability to to control the play from the blue line with that exceptional skating ability and and the confidence he has holding the puck. You know, if you go and watch Luke. You're not going to see a, a player that's like uh, Jack or a player that's like uh, Quinn. But what you do see is the passion for the game. 
You see a competitive spirit for the game. You see an exceptional intelligence for the game. He's a, he's a really good skater. He handles the puck really well. He makes plays. He competes defensively. He closes the play. So, you know, we talk about Eric Stahl, 1,000 mm -hmm. points in the NHL. Jordan Stahl, the Stanley Cup champion, that, that, that kind of real strong two-way centerman. And, you know, and then you look at Mark Stahl. And so what I would say is, is that Luke has offense abilities, but he's got defensive capabilities. He's bigger than Quinn, but he's not as he's not as good a skater uh, with respect to the edge work and the agility and the feet work. And his game isn't as much holding the puck as is, hey, I'm going to get the puck to the right areas on the ice. He will hold it if necessary. He jumps into the attack offensively. He is a good offensive player, but I don't see him as dynamic as Quinn. And, you know, Jack is, is a centerman that is electrifying. And, you know, but, but Luke is a competitor defensively. He's a competitor below the circles. He's a competitor defensively. He uses his body. Uh, in a real assertive way, much like Mark Stahl did. But, mm -hmm. you know, I think he's a better, a much better offensive player than Mark Stahl. But, you know, very different players. All three of them are very different. And, and, and I think, you know, ja, uh, Jimmy and Ellen, the, mother, the father and mother, they just told the kids, hey, go out and play, be smart, be passionate, and go and be who you are. And I think that Luke is a, is a great example of that. He's not trying to be something he isn't. And it, it's not easy to do when you have two older brothers that are as brilliant as Quinn and, and Jack. But Luke, Luke will find his, his own path, his own way. But it'll be, he'll, he's a very, very good player. Indeed, and that path is going to take him to Michigan in 2022, as I mentioned. Uh, so right now he's with the U.S. National Development Team, and one of the things I love about... I think he's uh, going there next year. I think he's going in 2021. Oh, sorry. Okay, sorry, yeah. 21-22, uh, right, that, yeah. that season, you're right. Um, he's not there right now, and, and what I no. wanted to ask you is... The you know is there a difference? I, I love when you talk about um, you know the the player's path. Whatever the best path is for that player, there, there's there's not a lot of wrong paths for players. But is there a difference between being on maybe a club team in the USHL and, and we've seen the the amazing uh, players they've produced at some of those teams, as opposed to the U.S. National Development Program? Um, you know what are the, the the differences that you see, if any, Craig? Well, what I would tell you is is the you know, the national team development program selects their team, you know, when the players are 16 years of age, they have a tryout camp, you know, they've been scouted and then they come out and try out and then they select the team. And then, you, you know, so those players, you know, are, are, are in the, what we call the program. And, and then the other players that end up finding their way onto the rosters of the USHL teams are, are one of two groups of players, players that didn't make the, the, the national team development program or, we're not invited or not interested. So, you know, again, like, you know, there's, there's great programs in the USHL. You know, the mm -hmm. Chicago Steel is a great program. Mark yeah. Carlson has run a great program uh, out of Cedar Rapids. Uh, PKL Hanley has run a, a great program out of Waterloo. The, the quality of coaching is, is so good in the USHL. Uh, you, you know, so so many great programs. And if you want to attract good players, you, you need to have a good program. And, and, and there's so many examples of, of terrific coaches. So, 
you know, it, it's different. I mean, in, in the National Teen Development Program, you're all the same age. It, it, there's not a staggering of ages, you know, mm -hmm. 16, 17, 18, 19 with the USHL team. When those young players with the program start, they're all 16. Think about this, Dean. You've been around the Western Hockey League for years. Think about a team entering the Western Hockey League solely with 16-year-old players. Think about that. Yeah. Like, I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't be fair. And there's been times over the course of the program that the that the national team development program ha had its growing pains. But you know, it's part of their development. They understand, you know, that there's going to be nights that uh, you know that's not going to be in their favor because they're not physically strong enough. They're not mature mm -hmm. enough. You know, they're not quite ready to compete. But but the, the national team development program understands that and. You know, it's it, it's part of the year-to-year -year development as they move from the under-17 program to the U18 program. But very unique for the national team development because they don't have the support of the older players around them. So, you know, putting them in the right situations to help them in, the, in, in those periods where, you know, it is a bit of a challenge and it is a lot harder for them to find success. Because remember, these kids have all had success yeah. prior to that. And now, now they're not having the same success individually and collectively. So, you know, the coaching staff and the group that's uh, responsible for, uh, you know, managing and, and, and working with the young players, uh, you know, th th they understand and, and, and becoming encouraging is so important for, for those young players uh, uh, to have from that group of, of coaches and management that really understands, okay, don't sweat it. It wasn't close, but this is just all part of it. You too shall get better. Great thrills. I, I, I'll tell you, one of my great thrills in hockey. I, I get to watch, in most cases, those kids come in and try out, which is usually in March. So they come in and try out. They want to put their best foot forward. The team is selected. Then I get to see them come in at, and, and they are baby-faced 60-year-old kids that like don't have a, a like they don't have any they don't shave they're they're, they're bright-eyed and and bushy-tailed and when i have the opportunity 20 months later to watch them go and compete at the u18 tournament i, I am always just so impressed it's, it's like watching your kids grow up it's like watching your kids graduate as they go through a program the difference that i see in 20 months is so significant and and the growth that i see really is special to be able to observe. Oh, that is uh, awesome. And, um, you know, when, when we talk about uh, Luke Hughes and his offensive abilities, part of that comes from the fact that he used to be a forward. I think up until, like, he was 12 or 13 years old, he played forward. So, so that helps him being able to jump into the play, I would imagine. But does it also help him understanding maybe how a forward thinks a little bit? Yeah, I, I would say, yeah, absolutely it would help him. But... You know, if you talk to if you talk to Quinn, Jack, or Luke, or you talk to Jimmy or Ellen, they use the term ODR, ODR, outdoor right, rink. Right. Those kids play on the outdoor rink, and they just go and play. And they play small area games, and there might be times on the rink that there's 15 kids out there, but there might be times when there's only two. And 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 I think that that speaks to the passion of. Of the Hughes boys, and 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 the and their friends, because they just want to get out on the rink and play. They and 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 then they learn. And, and, and you know, there's not this kind of formulated uh, teaching. You know, hey, listen, do these things, be aware of this. But they're they, they've always been encouraged to get out there and problem solve and figure it out and think for yourself. 
and I think that whether Luke is playing on the uh, is, is is on the ODR or he's playing forward, or he's playing defense, he's benefiting from all these things. The other thing I would say that Luke benefits from is watching his, his older brother Jack <laughs> play so so magnificently offensively, and and I can probably bet you that there's many examples that Luke has of being on the ODR <laughs> and and Jack probably schooling him a little bit offensively. But Luke is confident. I'll tell you what, Luke will, Luke will tell you times that he schooled Quinn and Jack as well. So there's no lack of confidence with Luke out. Yeah, that's uh, all part of growing up with brothers. Uh, Craig joins us on the UFFS hotline. Uh, scouting is a major part of the platform when it comes to UFFS sports and any free agent goes through a scout. So get in the game where you own the game. Start putting your scouting talent to good use and scout the same players that Craig Button does. Uh, so you can get in the game at UFFSports.com. And uh, also, by the way, they are expanding. Uh, the sky is the limit. Maybe it's the AHL. Maybe it's the ECHL, the KHL. Maybe even some junior leagues. Let the brass know what league you want them uh, hit them up on Twitter at UFF Sports on Twitter. And, uh, man, uh, the uh, the sky is definitely uh, the limit with this platform and, and looking into other leagues. And, and we're going to talk about a, a Russian player in a second. And one of the questions about just in general scouting I wanted to ask you is, do you think there's still distinct styles of play when it comes to specific regions, you know, Bef you know, way back in the day when the Europeans or the Russians came over, we were all surprised about this style. Has hockey become so globally that, you know, a, a player from uh, Saskatchewan or Quebec or Russia, if you didn't see their the name, you wouldn't be able to tell where they were from? Uh, I, I think what's happened is is the, the styles from around the world that were specific to one country or a region, right, have now blended. And, mm -hmm. and, and what we have now is, is the best of those styles all blended together. So, you know, it, it, it's not like we have just a player from this region plays this way or a player from this region plays this way. They've all taken, wait, wait a sec, you know, I like the way that guy plays. So I'm going right. to try that and I'm going to try this. And with, with, with the advent of video and, 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 and the ability to access, you know, at, at a young age, uh, you know, the videos of, of players playing in different parts of the world, the, the opportunities that exist in terms of competition. They, I mean, these players all, from a young age, they go and play against one another. They're, they're in tournaments, summer tournaments and whatnot, you know, playing against uh, players in their age group. So they, they, start to, they start to experience it at a younger age. They're able to observe it at a younger age. And now they're able to apply it. And so it, it, it's not just saying, well, I want to just be like this player from Russia or I want to be just like this player from Saskatchewan or I want to be just like this player from Sweden. You know, you say, oh, geez, I, I, I like what uh, Lucas Raymond does. Oh, yeah, well, how about what Mitch Marner does? Well, what about Pod Colson from Russia? You know, what about uh, uh, Patrick Laine from Finland? You, you, you can take all those things now. Austin Matthews from Arizona, you can take all these things and say, well, that's what I want to do. I'm going to work on this part of it. And the access to it is, is, is terrific. So I, I think it's a blending, and I think it's something that's made the game just so much better. 
Uh, indeed. Uh, okay, let's talk about this Russian defenseman now, Kirill Kirasanov uh, from SKA St. Petersburg. He's played a little bit in the KHL, the MHL, the VHL this year, so he's a little bit. But what I did read is that he has played some really big minutes uh, when he's been on some Russian championship junior teams. I think at the U18s and the, the Junior A Challenge. Do you see him being a shutdown D-man or a point-producing D-man or a little bit of both uh, at the NHL level? There's four players uh, that, that have represented Russia, the O2 group, the 2002 born group. Uh, Shakir Mukhamadoulin was a first-round mm-hmm. pick to the New Jersey Devils. Uh, Jan Kuznetsov was a second-round draft pick uh, to the Calgary Flames. I mean, he, he, think about this, Dean. 17-year-old Russian player not only advances to be able to get into the University of Connecticut, but plays as a 17-year-old and then as a second-round draft pick to the uh, Calgary Flames. We've talked about Daniil Chaika, who plays mm-hmm. in Guelph. He, he, you know, he, he just played on the U-20 team. He'll be at the World Junior Hockey Championship, a certain first-round draft pick. And now we talk about Kirill Kirsenov, another really good defense. Those four defensemen, do you want to know why that O2 group is so good? You don't have to look much further than those four defensemen because they are all terrific. And they're all different. They're all different. So what what I would say about Kirill is is that he's a competitor. And, you know, he he doesn't skate the same way as as Chaika because he doesn't have the the size or the skating ability of Chaika. But he's a good skater. He's a competitive player. And they're all smart that they're all really good at being able to, to make plays with the puck, and whether it be in a defensive zone, exiting the zone, transition, or in the offensive zone. So when, when I watch uh, Kirill, I see a player that is really smart defensively, territorial, competitive, takes, takes opponents out of their ice, can beat pressure to allow you to get out of your zone. I see a player that's jumps into the attack in the neutral zone and somebody that can really support that offensive thrust. And when he's in the offensive zone, I don't think he's going to be a a defenseman that's going to overwhelm you with a shot from the point that can beat a goaltender, or he's going to be making those, what I like to call those fine hands plays with the puck. But he knows how to open up the ice. He knows how to open up the lanes. Most importantly, he knows that there's better players than him offensively and let me get the puck into their hands, and he knows how to do that. I, I see him clearly as a top three defenseman in the National Hockey League. I'm, I'm not sure at this point in time if he's a top pair defenseman, but I certainly see him as a number three in uh, and, and, and that regard, somebody that can anchor your blue line, that can play in multiple situations, and might not be a front-line player offensively, but is going to be what I like to call a pillar defenseman. I think that Kirill has all the elements to be a pillar defenseman in the National Hockey League. 6'1", almost 200, so he's got some decent size, and he can certainly add to that. Is he a, a physical defender? Is he an angle defender? Um, you know, what, what, where does the, 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 I guess the style of play rank for you in the, in the defensive zone? Yeah, and, that, and that's a good way to, to, to kind of uh, differentiate between players. So, you know, he's really good at using his size and gaining advantages where he can really stymie opponents so they can't go anywhere. And so that requires you to, to 
have the have the real great understanding of angles and where to go. But then, because of his size, he, he's able to stop you from going any further if, if you want to. He's he's really assertive, really firm. And when I use the term territorial, you know, he's not he's not a Braden Schneider type territorial player mm -hmm. where he's going to make life uncomfortable for you. But what he's going to do is he's going to make life really frustrating for you because he's in your way. He, he, you know what, he's there. He never goes away. He gets the stick on the puck. He cuts you off. He reads the play. He anticipates. And, and then when he's in the battle, he, he's a, he's, he's a dyed-in-the-wool competitor. He's not going away. So, you know, he's one of those defensemen that I would describe as this if I, if I was telling players playing against him. Listen, you're not going to break him down. What you need to do is right. get yourself mentally prepared to compete at the same intensity as he does. You, because it, 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 you might not get an advantage on him, but if you don't compete at that level with him, he's going to have the advantage on you, and therefore we lose. It's, it's one of the great Daryl Sutter lines that I love when he was coaching. He would tell players, listen, I'd like you to get the advantage on him. That would be ideal. But at the very least, he can't get the advantage on you. I'm happy with a tie here. And I think when you're playing against Kirsanoff, you, you always want to try to get an advantage. But if you're not prepared to dig in and compete, you're going to find yourself in a disadvantage. And that's what you have to prepare yourself uh, against when you're playing up against him. It's like face-offs, right? You don't always have to win. You just yeah. can't lose them cleanly. Exactly. Exactly. And, and you know, players like Kirill Kirsanov, right? Like, it, it, hockey's a competition. The NHL's a competition. But it, it's nice to talk about all the nice plays. But at the heart of it, it's a competition. If you're not prepared to compete against Kirsanoff, you're going to be on the short end. And, and the more you fall off of your competitive level, the more of an advantage he's going to have because he's always looking for one. Well, it's interesting. He was four days away from being in the 2020 draft. Uh -huh. So does that give him an advantage in the 2021 that he's already 18 and he's going to be like, because I don't know where he would have ranked in the 2020 draft. So what's that advantage like, if any? Well, I can tell you where I would rank him. I'd rank him in the first round. I'd rank him in my top 31 guys. <laughs> so I, I, for the, for the, if he was, because I, I just talked about the O2 group and that O2 right. group for Russia is really good. Right. So, you know, that being said, you know, like I always say, you know, a lot of people ask me this question, Dean, well, doesn't he have an advantage? I'm always looking at players, abilities and attributes and trying to, uh, project how it translates to the NHL. I'm using the NHL as the barometer. I'm using mm -hmm. the NHL as what I'm comparing it to. So if, if you're 17 and, 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 and you don't have those abilities, doesn't make a difference to me. You, you don't have them, and, and it doesn't translate to the NHL. And, and if you're 18 like Kirill Kirsanov and, and you miss the draft by four days and you have those qualities and you have those attributes, it doesn't matter to me. I, I know we, you might factor in, okay, how much more room for growth does a player have than everything, but like ultimately when I'm scouting, I'm looking at what translates to the NHL. Mm -hmm. And yes, you know, you, you, you can look at strength, you can look at maturity, but if you're older and you have the attributes, great. If you're older and you don't have them, doesn't matter, you don't have them. And same thing if you're young. You know, I think at all, oh, he's a player that, that, that hasn't had a chance to mature. Well, guess what? He hasn't shown me that he has any of the attributes. So I don't care if he's younger. <laughs>
and I think that, you know, that's how I approach it. Good stuff. Well, we made it through this interview without Cam Moon dancing in the background, uh, so I'm, I'm surprised he didn't show up. But uh, enjoy Red Deer, uh, the camp. I hope you get some ice cream, and I look forward to chatting you next week as we get closer to this tournament. Thanks, Craig. Dean, there's no ice cream in the ring. The concessions are closed down. No fans, oh. right? And, and and I can't let Cam Moon go. So Cam Moon, I get to join Cam Moon on the uh, red-white intra-squad scrimmages Saturday, Sunday, and next Tuesday, mm. uh, the 21st, 22nd, and 24th of November. He's going to be doing the play-by-play. Uh, I mean, he does a fantastic job with the Red Deer Rebels, mm-hmm. along with Mike Moeller. And so it, it's a real thrill for me to be able to do it with Cam because we talk about passion for hockey. We're talking about the Hughes family and there's so many players. Cam's passion for hockey is tremendous. So it'll be a real honor for me to spend uh, time with him on the broadcast. I'm pretty sure he'll have a key for the concession stand, Craig. I'm sure he can get you some ice cream. He's basically the mayor of Red Deer. Yeah, I, well, I mean, he might have some. He might have some candidates uh, yeah. for, for, for that, that he have to compete against for for mayor of uh, Red Deer. But certainly, a, a very popular figure, uh, a, a, a great friend of the WHL, a great friend of uh, of hockey. And you know, I always think back to to Cam. I mean, he was a goalie. He was a goalie mm-hmm. like you did. Yeah. You know. And so much better goalie, what I really yeah. what I really need to do is is go to the archives and try to find some of that video of him. I mean, Ooh. you got to keep in mind Cam played without a mask. It was it was in the days where it was black and white. So, you know, it's going to be it's going to be really hard to to find some of some live video. We might get some still shots of him yeah. playing back in those days. And the library, you can go get the old newspaper at the library. Thanks as always, Craig. <laughs> Enjoy the camp. I will. Thanks, Dean. This is a serious message. Craig Button joins us on the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Hotline. Become a scout and make money while providing prospects to the Ultimate Franchise Hockey League. What'd you talk about, mister? Pay that man his money. I'm your huckleberry. Check out the details at www.uffsports.com. It's serious. I like it a lot. I said we gotta win UFFS, you own the game. Wonderful stuff with uh, Craig Button, as usual, from uh, Canada's uh, World Junior Camp. And, of course, uh, wonderful stuff from Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports, as usual. Two great worlds colliding. Uh, We will be doing uh, Craig's Council as we go along throughout the Season 2 and at the end of Season 2, where... Uh, Craig will tell some stories. He'll give some scouting tips. If you have a question, please email me, trackingthedraft at gmail.com, and we can add it to the list of uh, some good ones that have already uh, made their way in for whenever our next episode of Craig's Council uh, will indeed be. So that's going to wrap things up for us right now on episode five of season two hope you enjoyed the show if you did please subscribe leave a review let me know what you think of the show that really helps us to obviously improve things in the future big thanks to craig button for joining us if you'd like to be a part of the show as a partner please email me tracking the draft at gmail.com 
This is where the stars of tomorrow are discovered. Big thanks to the director of scouting, Craig Button, and to UFF Sports for being a part of the show. And, of course, to you, the listener and the viewer. The stars of tomorrow are discovered here. Have a good one.